0: Hey there, FitFam. Welcome to the only podcast where we're breaking the mold and rewriting the rules. I'm here to debunk the myths, spill the tea, and serve a hefty dose of reality. No matter where you're at in your journey, we've got something for everybody. So buckle up because we're about to unleash the basics in the most unapologetic way possible. From shedding pounds to embracing your inner badass, I'm here to remind you that skinny is so last season and the basics are anything but boring. So grab your favorite piece of protein and your water bottle and get ready to be empowered, entertained, and educated because being a basics bitch has never looked this good. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Call Me Skinny podcast. Super excited to have you here for another episode. Uh, very, got, a lot, got a lot going on. We are wrapping up Weight Loss for Real Women at this point. We've got about a week and a half, two weeks left, and uh, very excited to start the next round, uh, which will be launching mid-March. So, of course, if you're interested, want to know some more information, please feel free to reach out and let me know. On that note, we are going to just jump into this uh, podcast today I have a very special guest with me. All my guests are very special, just in, just in case anybody want to know. If you're a guest on this podcast, you're fucking special. Um, but I have known her for like three years. We've actually met in person. We met about three years ago in a mentorship, in a business uh, container mentorship. And uh, we've stayed in contact and followed actually different mentorships. She's been in my most recent mentorship as well. And uh, her name is Nicole Hart. And Nicole, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I know. Uh, She just got this kick-ass bang haircut. She looks like fucking hot. Um, Okay. So Nicole is the owner-operator of uh, The Heart Life, and she works with women who are postpartum on their foundational fitness, correct? Is that what we're doing? Correct. Yep. All right. So I want you to tell me a little bit about how you got to this place. uh, What led you like your own journey? Because I know you have a journey like I have a journey. Our journeys are different, but you had a journey to get here to where you are. So I'd love to hear and for you to tell my audience what that looks like.
1: Yeah, of course. So I'm a mom of three. I've had twins and a singleton. My twins are a lot older. They are 13 now. They're about to be 14. Um, My singleton, though, she is about four and a half. So there's a pretty big age gap there. Um, My twins were not scheduled to be C-sections. It ended up happening that way. So I had a C-section with them. And then I going through like old records, my doctor going through old records, he figured out my incision was not closed properly. It didn't heal properly. So I had to have a repeat C-section to reduce risk of complications during the birth. So I ended up having two C-sections, which was totally fine by me. Everyone's birth story is different. I did not care either way. Like I was not picky about what my birth was going to be like. I was just like, as long as we're all healthy, I don't care. Um, So after I had the twins, I like knew a little bit about diathesis about not doing sit ups and stuff, but I had no idea like how everything should work in getting back into fitness. I've always been around health and fitness. My mom and stepdad were bodybuilders. I grew up in a gym, basically. Um, so it's just always been a part of my life. And so since I really didn't know what to do fitness wise, I really relied heavily on nutrition to help me get the weight off, which was totally fine. Um, So I got there. And then after my singleton, it was a lot harder. You would think after the twins, it would be harder to lose the weight, but I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just like, now I had an actual career. Now I was like, also trying to work from home. I now have three kids to care for, even though my twins were a bit older. I mean, they still needed things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just found it was a lot harder. I had way less energy than I had when I was 20 years old with my twins, um, that I'm now 30 with a singleton. (laughs) Um, It was just a lot harder. My life had changed. I had a husband, I had a house. um, And I couldn't like force myself to do the bodybuilder style diet (laughs) that I did after the twins. I could not force myself to do it after I had my youngest. I just could not. Um, And you might say it's willpower, I don't think it is. If you know anything about a bodybuilder style diet, it is rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to ask you if yes, you could go, <laughs> could you like
0: dabble into what that looks like for some of my, my listeners? Cause I talk a little bit about bodybuilders diets, like chicken rice, broccoli, chicken rice, broccoli, but like, what else does that entail? Cause you, I didn't grow up. I clear, I did not grow. Up. We ate scooped carbs with carbs. Like that's what we did. So I did not grow up in that kind of a home. So maybe you can explain a little bit more about what, what is a bodybuilder diet look like?
1: oh it is just that it is plain everything limited salts limited seasonings at all um lots of just boiled or grilled chicken with no flavorings um steamed broccoli with nothing on it i mean it's just a lot of plain stuff to lose the weight after the twins and i had 50 pounds to lose after the twins it was plain chicken plain tilapia (laughs) plain tilapia um limited like um carbs right so like I would have a little bit of rice, a little bit of sweet potatoes. I remember being excited that I could add five marshmallows on top of my sweet potatoes. Like, it's like that. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Oh, boy. <laughs> it is, it's very intense. Um, and when you're dieting down, like seeing my mom and stepdad diet down for a show, it's very intense. Like, they could not have stuff even in the house. Um, and so when you have kids and it's like there's just, you know, those types of food in the house, I don't know. It's just, it's what you grow up around, I guess. is what I grew up around anyways. Um, but so that's what I knew. That is what I knew of what worked to get the weight off. And it wasn't realistic for me now as a mom, wife, nerd, I was working as a nurse at the time. Um, and like a mom of three, it just was not realistic for me. And I I don't think it had anything to do with willpower. I think it was just a shift in where my life was. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think a lot of times, um, and you talk about how you were able to kind of, kind of like get back to where you were before the twins. And I think a lot of women really try hard to go back to their pre-baby, pre-baby body, pre-baby this. I'm like, for me personally, my own journey, my pre-baby body was way worse than what my my post babies bodies are now just because of the knowledge that I have. Right. And I know that's not everybody's story, but that is everybody's like, Oh, I want want my pre baby bodies. I'm like, fuck that. I don't, I don't want to ever go back to where I was pre babies because I was not in a good place. Like health wise. Um, I was extremely, extremely overweight. So, so for me that, that was kind of like my journey. It's interesting too. I had two C-sections as well. One unscheduled, one scheduled, but then I went into labor and then it, became very chaotic very quick uh with that. So when you're talking about, you know, the shift that you you have had in your life, right? So now we are we got three kids. We have a husband now. We have a house that we're taking care of. We are a nurse. Like what did you like were you just like, well, fuck it, never mind. I'm just never going to get this weight off? Is that how you felt or like what was that process for you to get to where you are now?
1: oh no, because, because I think I grew up in a household of fit people. I was, it wasn't so much a vanity thing. Like, uh, like, yes, there was an aspect of that. I want to look good. Right. Um Vanity me is like, I can't have my 55 year old mother looking better than me in a bikini. <laughs> you know, vanity yeah. part of me. I mean, I am saying that because she looks hot. Um, but also health wise, like, my parents could do whatever they wanted to do. They could go on long hikes. They could keep up with us kids because they were fit. Mm-hmm. And I, after my last baby, I breastfed for a full year. That did not help get the weight off. Um, but again, it wasn't just about the weight. I was tired all the time. I had a lot of back pain. I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could run around and play tag and keep up with my kids. It was more than just the physical aspect of things. I felt like, bleh. Yeah. <laughs> if that was like a person, that's what I felt like I was. Um, And so that was also a big driver in pushing me to find a way to get to where I wanted to be, not just look wise but also how I felt.
0: Well, and I think that's what, you know, we talk a lot about that on this podcast is, is like everybody's weight loss, weight loss. I just want to lose the weight. I just want to lose the weight. I just want to lose the weight. But there's other underlying factor. Like, why is that important to lose the weight? Like I even posted today on my Facebook page about the fact that's like, I go to the gym, I pick up a 50 dumb, a uh, 50 pound dumbbell. And I think, holy shit, like this is heavy. This is like fucking heavy. All right. But then I'm like, I carried literally 80 extra pounds on my body for however, like fluctuated between 30 to 80 pounds by probably my whole life, minus like this brief time I did Weight Watchers. um, And I, and I fluctuated with this and I walked around and I carried it all, all day with me. And yeah, I didn't have the foresight to go, this is heavy, like this is hard. And it's hard on our joints. And you're talking about your, like, your lower back, your lack of energy. So while weight loss is important, like you're talking about, it wasn't just about losing the baby weight, but it's like, I can't run around with my kids. I'm exhausted. My back hurts. I'm tired. I'm angry. I'm probably irritable, and cranky. I don't want to have sex with my husband. Like this was all like, the, please don't touch me. Like it becomes so much more than just weight loss. And we have to recognize that, I feel like.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And once you start to take care of yourself, weight loss is typically a byproduct of Mm -hmm. that. But most people, even if they do lose the weight, if they still don't feel good, like I have people who have come to me who don't have any weight to lose, but they resonated with me when I said I felt moody. I was tired. My patience was low because I was so tired all the time. Um, My back was hurting. And so even if you don't have weight to lose, if you don't feel good, that is still going to affect your quality of life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's we, I always say that too. I always say weight loss is a side effect of getting your, the rest of your health in check. Like the weight will eventually come if that's something that has to happen. Cause everybody's like, well, I have to lose weight. Like I weigh 250 pounds. I have to lose weight. well, like, yeah, that makes sense. You do probably need to lose some pounds. That's obvious, right? But that'll be the byproduct, like you said, or what I call the side effect of making sure that you're doing the foundational pieces. Um, So let's talk about that. Let's talk about actually some, you're talking about like lower back pain, probably peeing when you sneeze. Um, So let's talk about some of these like basic things that women come to you for, like like you had mentioned, even without weight loss being a thing. What are some of the commonalities that these women are coming to saying, okay, this is what I'm experiencing because you're specifically for postpartum. My other question here too, is like, I mean, I'm technically postpartum and my youngest is almost 12. So how far does that postpartum reach really?
1: That's a great question because I feel like this is on a lot of people's minds like oh my kids are grown so I'm not considered postpartum anymore. You are. You are if you've ever created a child and they've exited your body in whatever way, you are always postpartum. It does not matter how old your child is. And so that's why like okay so take my mom for example. She was a bodybuilder. She knows all the ins and outs of nutrition of working out all those things. She's 55 years old now, entering menopause area, and her knee is getting worse because she never learned these foundational things. So even though, let's see, my youngest sibling is like 28 now, so her youngest child is like 28 years old now, she's still dealing with these things that are typically considered like a postpartum issue 28 years later Mm -hmm. because she never dealt with it. And so once postpartum, always postpartum, if you don't deal with these things and correct these issues and rebuild your core strength and your pelvic floor strength you can still have issues down the line and even so so like i mentioned my mom is going through menopause right now you could not have things like sneeze pee stuff like that going on right after birth or even in the years following but once you enter menopause your hormones are changing things are becoming like muscles aren't as strong anymore and so that can suddenly present during menopause. And you're like, what the heck? I haven't, I could just Why am I sneezing now? But that is something that can still happen. And so um, I think that that's a very good thing to be aware of is once postpartum, always postpartum. And then also you're never too far along to do these foundational things to help heal and strengthen your core and pelvic floor. Gotcha. So
0: I had Kelsey, Dr. Kelsey on the show. And this was like a while ago, probably like almost a year ago now. And so you actually work with her currently, right? And um, so let's talk about pelvic floor. I want just, for those that might be new listeners or uh, whatnot, like what exactly when we talk about pelvic floor, because it's way more, ladies, Kegels aren't the answer. Okay, I had to help somebody here. I'm not a professional in this area. This is not like my wheelhouse, but I also know that Kegels are not going to, do what you think they're going to do. So like, what is a pelvic floor? And what are some of these, like, like I had asked, like, what are some of these things that are happening with a pelvic floor that women are coming to you for? Because it's like, something's not right at this point.
1: Okay. Yeah. And so when we're thinking of the pelvic floor, I know we typically think of like, when you're peeing, right? Um, And so that's one part of it. There's also the back of pelvic floor, so your rectum, um, there is your diaphragm, there is some eyes so some of your back muscles. Um, it is a lot more than just, like, your six-pack abs, your 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 core involves more than just your six-pack abs. We need to strengthen your deep core, so your transverse abdominals muscles, which wrap from your front all the way around to your back. Um, there's a lot that's involved in the core and pelvic floor. Um that I won't get too science on because yeah. I feel like it'll lose some of our listeners, which is totally fine. Um, but okay, so let's think about pregnancy. As I've used this analogy before and I really like it. So I was a nurse, right? I worked in an office. If you've ever worked in an office and you've been short staff, it sucks, right? You're having to pull a workload for people that are off on vacation, maternity leave, whatever. And so for the time period, workload is heavier on you, right? Kind of the same thing during pregnancy. As your core starts to expand out, your muscles that were holding you upright, that are helping you you know, with your posture, with holding you upright, stuff like that, they're stretched out, so they're having to take time off because they can't work properly, right? And so other muscles are having to take over that workload because the core is now short-staffed. And these are muscles that were not meant to take over that workload for a long period of time. Once baby is born, because you've been disconnected from your core muscles for some time, it doesn't always just re-engage. You don't always just get reconnected with them just because the baby is no longer in your uterus, right? And so a lot of times we have to intentionally reconnect with the core and pelvic floor muscles so that we can intentionally strengthen them. Because if you can't first connect with them, then you can't strengthen it. if Mm -hmm. you can't strengthen the core and pelvic floor muscles, you can't get rid of the monsus, the sneezes, the back pain, stuff like that. Um, and then kind of on the other side, this is what I dealt with. I had a hypertonic pelvic floor, meaning I carry a lot of stress and I clinch up, okay? And so pelvic floor wanted to clinch up. I did not have pain with insertion, tampon, husband wife time, um, <laughs> you know, whatever. But some people do have such a tight pelvic floor that they do have pain with insertion. So that is something else that can happen it does not mean you have an overly strong pelvic floor. Just like if you were to constantly flex your bicep for a long period of time, it doesn't mean that you have a strong bicep. It means that you're just constantly flexing it. And so it's tight and it's contracted and it's going to get cooler, right? Well, but it does not mean that you're strengthening it just because you have it tight all the time. So I don't want you to think that just if you have uh, tight pelvic floor that you have a strong pelvic floor because that is not always the case. Um, but those are different things that people come to me complaining about that all have to do with just bringing things back to the foundation of what is your core and pelvic floor doing? Are you breathing properly? Can you engage your core and pelvic floor? Um, how do we get reconnected with it so that we can then help deal with these issues? So one thing you,
0: like I'm taking notes as you talk, cause I'm like, Oh, I want to make sure we talk about this. Um, and you were just talking about it, which was like reconnecting with the muscles. So like I talk a lot on my Muscle Monday podcast about mind muscle connection. And it's like, we don't want to be doing kind of like you're talking about like a bicep curl and feeling it in our quad, right? Like this, something's not right if we're not feeling the bicep contract. And so this isn't really maybe a question, but I feel like free pregnancy. I'm going to speak for my own experience. I didn't even, I did not strength train. I had no idea. I was like, I was the cardio person. If I did go to a gym, like you're never going to catch me in the weight section. So my mind muscle connection was probably shit to start. And then postpartum, you have this baby and now you're even further away from that connection than where you were already far from. (laughs) Like, and again, this is like my own personal experience. Um, and even though I was a swimmer and whatnot, like we, I never did strength training for swimming, which like growing up that way now looking back, I'm like, that is absolutely mind boggling to me that I never stepped in a gym to strength train for swim. Right. It's like, what in the world? Um, and so I, 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 I knew what muscles were, I knew certain things about them, but I couldn't tell you, like, if I was going to flex something that I would have like I would be doing the right thing. And I think to a lot of people, uh, you know, I see a lot of times people are like, I need to strengthen my core. I'm going to do a thousand sit-ups. Like it's just a thousand sit-ups. So I don't think sit-ups are the answer. You can correct me if I'm wrong. What What are like some of these basic foundational pieces that people or should be doing, or like, what is the process when somebody comes to you for help? Like, what's the first thing? Because I know you do a lot of breath work. Like, I see you all the time on Instagram. Y'all, you need to go follow her. She's constantly talking about breathing. And as a singer, I learned how to breathe with a diaphragm and box breathing. So that your whole back and everything is kind of expanding. But I never thought about that as part of the pelvic floor. Like, I didn't even know what a pelvic floor was. So let's be real. Okay. <laughs> so what are like, so these things like when they come to you like how do you start assessing like what's what's the process look like
1: yeah so very and yes I was a swimmer also and I, I agree like <laughs> why were we not put in a weight room I don't know with The football players' I, we should have been. Um, been okay so <laughs> anyways, side note <laughs> um, yes <laughs> so when I have a client that first comes to me um and this isn't for all of my programming, but if someone's coming to me to coach one-on-one or in a group uh, setting, the very first thing I'm doing is we're looking at your breathing pattern. I know a lot of coaches will assess like a squat, stuff like that. And we, I do get to that later on down the road, but I work with a lot of moms, right. And we're busy and not a lot of us have the time or like the bandwidth to be able to film us doing a breathing, a squat video, some lunges. Like, and so I, I, Break it up. So the very first thing, though, that we're going to be looking at is your breathing pattern, because if your breathing pattern is off, nothing else is going to be right. If you cannot breathe properly, that tells us that you are not getting a good core and pelvic floor contraction. So nothing else really it matters, but nothing. I'm not going to look at anything else because it's not going to look right until we first get that foundational piece down, which is your breathing pattern. So that is the first thing i'm doing and so when i'm looking at it i typically ask women to be in either a tight tank top or just a sports row so i can see what's moving what's not moving where it's moving where it's not moving um and so that's that's how we get started and i have only had one person come to me ever this whole time i've been doing this who had a good breathing pattern so it is more likely that you don't have a good breathing pattern mm-hmm. than that you do have a good breathing yeah. pattern so that is where i start with everyone um and then typically like i said most of my clients need to start with retraining their breathing pattern and that's what we do first we work on a lot of people need more back expansion so we'll do things like child's pose maybe we'll put a pillow up to the chest to kind of force air to go into the back to make it expand get untight. Um, we might do some super deep lunges or i'm sorry squats just a bodyweight squat super deep down just to help with that back expansion. We'll focus on feeling where the breath is going. Um, I'll cue them on where it should be going, what it should look like. But that is really where we start with things. And I will say my sister who has not had kids, um, by the way, she was coming to me for some help with core work. She's a singer as well. She was noticing some back tightness, um, some leakage when she was coughing. And she has been doing the very base. She works out as well. Obviously we Mm -hmm. both grew up in that household. Um, she was like, I can't believe how weak my low abs are. I thought that I would fly through these things and like be able to progress super quickly. And she was like, my low abs need so much help. They need so much strengthening. And it makes sense based off of what I saw in her breathing assessment. Um, and then also some of the things that she told me were going on. So, um, Breathing is something that we do 24-7, and if you're not doing it correctly, then most of the time you don't have good core and pelvic floor control and engagement, and that's where we need to start with.
0: Yeah. So, um, I briefly did, I wouldn't say briefly, but back when Dr. Kelsey did her piloting program, I was a part of that pilot because the same concept was like, I don't know if I'm too far postpartum. My kid's 11. Like, do I count? And she's like, uh, yeah. You know, so that's why I wanted you to explain because even as a fitness professional, I didn't know that I was technically postpartum. You know what I mean? I don't freaking know. Again, not my wheelhouse. I'm like, let's go eat food or something like, let me teach you how about protein. Let me, though, that's, that's where I am at. And so, um, something that I had always kind of noticed that I would do is without even realizing it until I was already doing it is I would super extend and arch my back. And I would, like, I would, I would do this in the driver's seat. Sometimes I do it in chairs or whatever else. And I would like just naturally help push my pelvis out and my chest kind of out, and I'm like, and then I would like, oh, wow, like that kind of is really uncomfortable. And so it was, again, you're talking about like, paying attention to what your body's doing. Like, I was doing this completely subconsciously, right? And I was having lower back pain. <laughs> and so obviously, so do you ever, do you think that there's a correlation between weaker, lower abs, and low back pain? Is that kind of like a thing?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So okay. me, for example, I had an anterior pelvic tilt. So if you think about it during pregnancy, belly is going forward, right? So your pelvis is going to typically tip forward as well. Well, after I had babies, mine just didn't go back to neutral, right? My low abs were not engaging. I also had two C-sections. Right. And so it was very tough for me to connect with those low abs. And so because low abs couldn't help to keep me upright, couldn't help to stabilize my pelvis, it was filling forward. I remember trying to work out with my husband and he's been working out forever. Um, and we were, he was like watching me do squats. And he was like, you're not doing it right. Like do it like this. And I was like, I can't move that way. My pelvis, like my low abs were so disengaged. My back was so tight. And like my, my, my muscles in my back were trying to compensate for my core being not, um, not very strong anymore. And so I was just stuck in that sort of position where I couldn't even, get a neutral pelvis to go into a squat correctly and that's very dangerous when you're trying to load a barbell then onto your back and do it like thinking back i'm like oh my gosh i could have gotten hurt um but this is why it's so important to take things back i know most mamas just want to like lose the weight postpartum but it's so important to take things back to the foundation learn how to do these things is your pelvis even in a neutral space because you can really hurt yourself if you just jump right into doing all of these workouts. Um, but yes, there is a correlation between that, those low abs not being able to engage well or be very strong and, um, back pain because you know, you're, you're arching forward, your pelvis is not in a neutral position. Um, And that's that's not where we want it to be most of the time. Now, we should be able to move in and out of the different positions, anterior pelvic tilt, neutral, and then posterior pelvic tilt. It's good to have a good range of motion, but we should not be spending most of our time in either of, like, the posterior or anterior because it's just going to cause issues. Gotcha. So
0: when when somebody comes to you and they're super hyper-focused and they're like, okay, well, I know you're going to teach me to breathe, but am I going to lose weight? I know, I know you're going to teach me to do this. So do you find that the majority of women that you work with aren't necessarily huge on the weight loss problem, but they're more so like my back, if like, if I don't fix my back, I'm never going to sleep again. Problem like, like the, the, where the body is just not functioning properly. Um, Or do you feel like you get like a mix of women kind of in there?
1: I definitely get a mix. So I've had some women who are like, I would like to lose weight, but it's not my priority. My priority is I want to get pregnant within the next year or two. I need to get my A1C down. I need to get my cholesterol down. I need to stop having painful intercourse. Um, And so I've had women come to me who are like that. I've had women come to me who want to lose weight. And like, yes, we're going to work on these foundational things. It's going to be um, based off of what the person wants to or can handle at the time. And so. Really, and I know that you can agree with this as well, if you have to choose between workouts and nutrition to lose weight, it's going to be nutrition Mm -hmm. all day because you can't outrun a bad diet. And so every time, no matter – like, so if a woman comes to me who wants to lose weight, we're going to look at the diet. We're going to get them eating well, which is also going to have a good effect on the muscle that they're able to put on, right? Because most women come to me not getting enough protein, not getting enough water, um, weird stuff like that. So if we can get calories in a good place, if we can get protein in a good place, that's going to have a, a side effect of helping what we're trying to do with your core, okay? Because if you aren't getting enough nutrient-dense foods, your body's not able to build the muscles very well anyways. So nutrition is what we're going to focus on to help those women get to where they want to be weight-wise, but then also we're going to focus on breathing pattern and stuff. I have women who do uh, just 10 to 15 minutes of core work three to five times a week and then paying attention to their breathing pattern during the day. And they're seeing the weight loss that they want, but we're also helping to improve their the way their core and pelvic floor functions as well. So it can be as simple as that. You can have, I mean, depending on what your goals are and depending on where your starting point is, you can have it both. Um, That's not always the case for everyone, but with the women who have come to me so far that we are able to kind of work it like that. Okay, so it's
0: like a combination almost of like, I want this weight loss and the weight loss is going to actually in turn kind of help a little bit what we have going on over here because my diet then will be correct or better than what it's been. And that will in turn help with what we have on the, the functional movement side of life. Um, okay. So let's talk about pelvic floor therapy. And I know you're not a pelvic floor therapist and none of this is medical advice folks. Like just going to say that out loud, but at what point would you recommend somebody potentially going to a pelvic floor therapist? I've seen, um, something I want to touch on is this. And if we can touch a little bit on, and I always say it wrong, is it DR, like the DR, like the where the abs split and I say it wrong, so I'm not even going to bother with it. Um, but at what point would you recommend somebody going to a pelvic floor therapist where it's like, yeah, we need, because I didn't know like pelvic floor therapy, like they go in, in and stimulate the muscles. And I was like, what? Okay. So anyway.
1: Yeah. So first off, DR, so Everyone says it differently. It, you can say diastasis, which is what I say. You can say diastasis. Okay. It's kind of like tomato, tomato. Okay. <laughs> um, I just like diastasis. Um, okay, so to see a pelvic floor physical therapist, I think, and I wish all insurances would cover someone to go and see a pel- pelvic floor physical therapist before, during, and after pregnancy. Because I think it is so beneficial to get that hands-on assessment. And then get some start somewhere that you should be starting from like based off of that hands-on assessment and then someone like me could come in and help to complement things and then continue on furthering you right because physical therapy is only going to last for so long and then what do you do after right Right. we need to continue to bridge that gap and help you to get to where you ultimately want to be three to six weeks of physical therapy is not going to get you totally where you want to be it's a Mm -hmm. great place to start but I know too that it's not always covered by insurance And so some big red flags that would be like, listen, we need to just like buck up and like pay for it if your insurance doesn't cover it is do you have pain with insertion? That's a big one that I'm like, you need to go and see someone, Um, an in-person pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, If you're not sure if you're actually engaging the pelvic floor, if you cannot feel that you are engaging pelvic floor, if you feel like I don't even feel anything happening down there when I'm doing these exercises, Go and see a pelvic floor physical therapist because they will do tests to be able to tell you, yes, you're engaging. No, you're not engaging. You're engaging engaging one side, but not the other side. And they'll give you cues on how to help you engage. And then they'll be able to tell you in office, yes, that's what it should feel like. Yes, you are engaging. Or no, let's try something different. And so those are a couple of different things that I would say definitely go and see a pelvic floor physical therapist for But they can check you, like you said, for diastasis. Um, There is there's so much stuff they can do there. I have a network of in-person pelvic floor physical therapists locally to me that I will refer people to, and this one in particular, um, a a sonogram machine. You know, like how they have for babies. So she uses a sonogram machine to be so that you can see the muscles working. It's the coolest thing ever because then she'll cue you. She's like, okay, do this, and then you engage your core and pelvic floor, and you can see on a video whether or not the muscles are engaging. It is so flippin' cool. So I went to her um, just to meet her because I wanna have an in-person network of people that I can refer out to, that I've met, that I know know what they're talking about. And so I went to her because I was having um, my obliques, okay? So I have much more definition on one side than I do on the other side. And so I'm like, do I have an imbalance? Like, I don't feel I could do, but are we showing something on the sonogram that says, yes, these muscles are um you know stronger than than the other side and they were my left-sided oblique was a little bit weaker than my right-sided oblique mm-hmm. and so i then knew that and she could see based off of the thickness of the muscle that it was it, it was it was the coolest thing ever i'm telling you <laughs> i don't know i mean not every physical, 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 there sure. it has this, but if you have that option to go and see it it's very very cool because you can See with your own eyes what's going on with your body, what's engaging, if there's an imbalance somewhere. It is so cool. Um, And then she'll also walk you through birth prep because you're not supposed to, like, ooh, try to, like, bear down and push out. Um, Your core is actually doing the work to push baby out. And so she's able to show you on the sonogram, yes, you're doing things right. Um, no, you're engaging pelvic floor too much and that's actually going to cause your pelvic floor to tighten up making it harder for baby to come out um, so it is it's really cool to go and see a pelvic floor physical therapist not only for your own benefit but also like to help you right in the breathing process and postpartum helping you to feel better um, I will say though too physical therapists even though they have knowledge of your pelvic floor it's not the same as an actual pelvic floor physical therapist. And I, I want to say that because not everybody knows that. And even if right. a physical therapist is like, yes, I can help you, it's like going to your primary doctor with a dermatology issue. Like, yes, they know about it. Maybe. They might be able to help you a bit. But Maybe. going to a dermatologist, right, exactly. Maybe. But going to the actual <laughs> dermatologist who specializes in that is going to help you a thousand percent more than going to someone with just generalized knowledge.
0: Yeah, I think that's important too. Like, like you're talking about, like, um, I think it's its whole, it's its whole, it's its whole different world down there when we're talking about your pelvic floor. It's its own, like, separate thing, um, a p- piece of the body that is just, it, it deserves its own attention, I think. And so, like, I know that in my family personally, um, like, this is a history with my, both of my grandparent, my, both of my grandmas, my grandmother, and my grandma, um, needing the mesh sling because their bladders were falling out, right? That's all postpartum issues, like pushing babies. And I never pushed a baby out. Um, but like my mom suffers from sneezing and peeing, uh, even I suffer at times from sneezing and peeing. Sometimes it's, it depends on how much I have to go pee. If I, if if that's the case, um, TMI maybe, but whatever. It's a, it's a reality. Um, and so when we're talking about pelvic floor, are, is this like a genetic thing, or is this just more like each individual person? maybe struggles a little bit differently and they just just because it's never really addressed because you could look at this and go, well, my grandmother and my grandma both had slings and my mom has issues and this means I'm going to have issues or is it more like the, is it, or is it both? Like, or like, do you have any idea?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. So having a family history of issues like prolapse, hernias, like umbilical heart, anything like that, There can be some correlation between like, my parents had it, could I have it? Sure. It's kind of like when you have a family history of diabetes. So let's put it that way. Yes, you have that family history. Yes, there is that possibility for you doesn't mean it's going to happen. No, it does not. But are you going to be more aware of it and more likely to hopefully take better care of yourself so that you can help to prevent yourself from getting diabetes? Yes, you okay. should. Um, so it's the same thing with things like hernias, prolapse, stuff like that. It does become even more important to know how to protect your core and pelvic floor when you sneeze, when you cough, etc., um, to help strengthen the core and pelvic floor. And um, side note, the way that you're breathing—if you are constantly putting pressure down on pelvic floor, twenty-four-seven when you're breathing—that's going to make it a lot more difficult for you to not have like strengthening your core belt floor to a point where you're not having that sneezing going on. it's the same thing so say someone was a belly breather right if you're constantly if you have a family history especially of umbilical hernias okay and you're constantly just belly breathing you're not expanding that pressure out to the whole core canister you're more likely to have an umbilical hernia, hernia as well because you're constantly putting pressure out on your your belly area so it's the same thing if you're always putting pressure down on public floor 24 7 when you're breathing and you're not evenly distributing that intra-abdominal pressure you're more likely to have things like prolapse and stuff like that um so it's, it, it, there is a lifestyle factor it, right just like with um other health conditions yeah. is what are you doing most of the time because that's what's going to matter most okay
0: yeah because I, I just wondered you know um like and this is like a side note too right like so my grandmother had breast cancer my mom had breast cancer and yet they tell us it's not you know it's not a genetic thing and i'm like and my and my great grandmother had breast cancer and i'm like okay wait there's like a line there's a history here and you cannot tell me that there's not something going on but when i look a little bit deeper i'm like mm my mom's was estrogen driven my grandmother's was estrogen driven I have no idea because my great grandmother had it like in the fifties when they just did wax saw jobs and uh, it was awful. Uh, well, according to my my mom, that, that was the case. Um, and so, it's like our body just isn't rid of estrogen properly. So the genetic piece isn't the cancer itself; it's the estrogen not leaving the body, right? So now I, with this knowledge, am going. How do I prevent? and get the estrogen to leave the fuck out of my body so that i don't potentially get cancer from being estrogen high in my body right elevated estrogen levels um so it's probably very similar kind of like you're talking about diabetes high cholesterol high blood pressure like you may be predisit predisposition to these things because they are family history but that doesn't mean that you're going to get them providing you take proper care of yourself so thank you because mm-hmm. I, I actually didn't know and I, that was something that Dr. Kelsey and I never talked about was like if it's a genetic thing or um or whatnot so um what am I missing what am I missing on on pelvic floor what what are some because I, I know I'm missing stuff
1: <laughs> um I would say just the biggest thing to focus on if you've never done any sort of core and pelvic floor rehab again no matter how far postpartum you are is to just be okay with bringing things back to the basics for a little bit. That doesn't mean that we're going to stay at the basics forever. Um, I know that you all want to get back into your workouts where you are like feeling like you're seeing more progress, stuff like that. And it can be really tough. I think mentally more so than anything to take things back and be like, I'm breathing. How is this helping me? Um, But it's so important to help you both short-term and long-term for all of your goals to help you with your aestheticals to help you in injury prevention to help you with quality of life right because if you're constantly seeing having to wear panty liners all the time that really sucks um, if you end up getting a prolapse that's not a good quality of life if you like all of these different things if you're if you constantly have vaccine that's going to bring down your quality of life and so it's really being okay with taking some time slowing things down knowing how to engage your core and pelvic floor, understanding how to do all this stuff so that we can eventually progress. Can we also
0: talk about this? Cause when you're talking about um, things like peeing when you sneeze, having lower back pain, right? What are some things that are common with pelvic floor? I don't want to say symptoms or behaviors. I'm not really sure what you call them, but are not normal. Because obviously like, How many times have you been sitting around the table with your girlfriends and you're all like, oh my God, I sneeze when I pee. You're all like closing your legs when you go pee and you're like, ah, you know. Or you're like, man, my lower back hurts. Oh yeah. my two. It must've been the way I slept. I've just, yeah, I just, I must've been how I slept last night or the night before and the three weeks and three months and three years prior to that. Right. So what are some of these things that you find that people come to you that, that they're common, but they're completely not normal. And maybe some that we haven't even touched on. Cause I know we've talked a lot about sneezing and peeing, which I feel like is very common. Um, but common does not mean normal. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, so sneeze would definitely be one of those things. Um, I can do a quick training on how to engage your core and pelvic, or your pelvic floor. Oh, really yeah. quick if you would like. Yeah. Okay, so let me go over these common things real quick. So common oh. sneeze pee, um would be low back pain, glute clenching. So if you ever are like standing in line for Walmart or something, you see someone with like those tight glutes where their like butt is sucking up their pants, <laughs> that is glute clen- clenching. That is not normal. That is a sign that your pelvis floor needs some work, okay? Flat butt. You just have a flat booty. That tells you that your core and pelvic floor is probably not very strong, and we need to do some work. Juicy booze, are not just for biting. It's actually good for your pelvis floor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is epic. Well, and that's funny, too, because how many women are like, my butt's so flat. My butt is so flat. I just need to grow a bigger booty, and then, like, People like me are like, well, you need to eat food and lift heavy, or maybe you don't need to, maybe you need to fix some shit. Okay, good. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> See, common, not You're normal. Welcome.
1: Uh. <laughs> um, and then things like the low back pain, I was 30, like I said, when I had my youngest and I was like, I just woke up one day and my back hurts. Like people say, once you turn 30, like the aches and pains just start coming. And I was like, no, is this real? it's not, it's not real. Like you can fix these things. Um, and, uh, the mom pooch, right? People, a lot of times will think I've had babies. This mom pooch is just here forever. Not the case, not the case. I don't have a six pack, but you can see in my before and after pictures that I am able to fully engage my core. I have a nice flat belly area like when it's engaged. Um, and so having that mom pooch all the time is not normal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. See, all these things that we think are common, ladies. Oh, I'm just getting older or this, this, that, whatever. It's like, actually, this, I feel like it's just the story that we're told to make everything okay. And just, it's like, just accept this is what it is. And we don't have to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. if something doesn't feel right, there's a reason something doesn't feel right. And you need to go with your gut and say, okay, shit. She mentioned sneeze pee. That's me. She mentioned, um, Hernias, that's me. She mentioned lower back pain. That's me. She mentioned flat booty duty, flat booty Judy. That's me, right? Like, okay, so now I have all these things that are going on that she's literally talking about That she just told me are common but not normal and can be fixed. I should probably go stalk her page like all her shit and get in and working with her. <laughs> like that's that's what I that's what I hear, you know? like um, and even like when you're talking about certain things, I'm like, oh, that's me shit. That's me too. I mean, that which just why I worked with Kelsey because I had a very traumatic birth with my first one. It was an emergency C-section. Um, and then even traumatic birth with my second one, not so, even though I went into labor, I was supposed to have a scheduled C-section and everything was kind of fine with that, but he, it emotionally, it was traumatic. So it, it was kind of like everything kind of went to shit and it just never, I just, I didn't know what, anything was postpartum I didn't know that this wasn't normal I like you I had a, um I had a, um with with Blake my incision on my second c-section was awful it's still awful to this day we've talked about this you and I have mm-hmm. talked about mm-hmm. this yes and no because I, I feel like I'm gonna vomit touching my my incision so I still haven't been able to like rub a warm washcloth because I just want to go uh, and I'm gonna pass out like that's how I feel it's awful. Okay. Anyway, enough about me and my problems. Um, we'll we'll have a side conversation about me try, <laughs> me working with you so that I can fix some of my shit. But, um, but what was the other thing I was going to ask you? Oh, you were going to walk us through
1: a thing. Okay, let's do it. Yes. Yes. All right. So to fully engage pelvic floor, this is how to do a true, real, actual eagle. Okay. I see you getting ready now. I'm, okay. I'm sitting so. up. I'm here. Okay. So yeah. We want to do the thing that we would do to stop the flow of urine. I don't want you to actually sit on the toilet and practice stopping the flow of urine. That's not good for you. No. We don't want UTIs, okay? So just how you would, what you would do to stop the flow of urine, that is part one of doing a Kegel. Yes, I thought it. Part two is pretend that you are going to grab a pee with your V and like grip it. Okay. 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 All right. So that's She's part number watching two. me
0: intently. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Best coach ever. I'm also
1: doing hand motions. <laughs> yes. This, this absolutely should
0: go on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Grab a with P with your V over here. <laughs> oh my God. This is epic. Okay. Grabbed the P with um, my V. Okay.
1: okay. Yes. And then the last part is then pretend you're at a function. So pretend that you're at the military ball. Mm with your husband okay and you're in this tight slinky dress and you really gotta pass some gas but if you clench your glutes everyone's gonna see that you just tightened up and they're gonna know what's tra- what's going on you're trying to hold something in right so what is the motion that you would do without clenching your glutes to hold that gas in
0: so you have to like you have to keep them um Relaxed. You have to keep your glute muscles Relax. relaxed, right? And just right. basically, you're clenching your
1: sphincter, right? Is this or your rectum? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yep. You're not fully clenching your butt. So doing all of those three things simultaneously—that <sighs> is a true pelvic floor engagement. Okay. I'm
0: sorry. At one time, we have to do all of that.
1: All of that, and it's going to take some time. You might need to do it separately for a little bit, and that's okay. But eventually you should be able to do them all. I'm doing it as I'm like doing the hand motion. Again, this is going on. This has to go
0: on TikTok because this is amazing. (laughs) Do it all at once. The P and the V and the the, the, thing. Bring them all up and in. (laughs) Okay. That's interesting. So your your butt is in a Kegel. You're doing butt things with Kegels. That is not what we are taught. We are not taught butt things with Kegels. Okay. Literally, the title of this podcast is going to be Butt Things and Kegels. That, I just named it.
1: It's, I did a reel that was called Butt Stuff before. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> that's right. But, okay, so that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, so all at one time. I noticed that my, I'm just going to say this, this, is just we're just going to go with it. My butt is a little behind. It's like mm-hmm. everything, and then it's like, oh, hey, hi, hey, you're Welcome. <laughs> oh we're we're doing this too, okay, <laughs> because I never realized that that's a part of the the that's a whole like a whole thing,
1: mhm-, like you just and so so say you're someone like me who so has a hypertonic telephore, I actually need to work on relaxing the butt stuff, okay, so constipation, having to for feeling like you having to force gas out those are things that it's too tight and need to work on relaxing so it can go either way you can be on either side but but that's also why just telling someone to do peagles is not always the answer because telling someone like me who already is engaged a lot of the time to then engage more often that's not the answer so that's why it's so important to actually get things assessed talk about what's going on like all of this stuff is right in a full assessment that I have my clients go through um, because we, we might need different starting points for different people. I might use someone to engage, just like how I talked you guys through, and I might have someone else, I would be like, need to work on relaxing and letting things go, and then engaging, because if, going back to the bicep, your bicep's always engaged, and someone says, hey, do a bicep curl, there's really not much more you can do, because it's already engaged, right? It's the same thing if your pelvic floor is constantly tight. And then someone tells you to go and tighten it. You're like, I don't know if I'm actually engaging it because it's already tight. (laughs) Okay. So that
0: makes sense. Can you be both? Can you be tight sometimes and loose sometimes? Or do you typically find people are one or the other? There's like this thing.
1: I typically find it's one or the other. If you're able to relax and engage, then that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be like, you know, being able to do both. Um, for me personally, I have to remind my body to relax because I'll just tense up a lot. Um, so I feel like typically I see people either doing one or the other, most of the time people that are able to fluctuate between the two. It's kind of like if you're going like with your posture, right? So if you're slouching sometimes, but then you realize, and you kind of go back, like I would say it's pretty common to have these fluctuations between the two. But if you're able to kind of go back and forth between the two without having to like have a like work at it a lot I would say you're probably okay
0: okay so like if you don't have to think about it or like really focus and tell your body like do this thing like my butt when I'm like come on let's go bud like I didn't realize yeah what happens if you just fucking do what we think are kegels all the time like when you have people telling you like put you know what are those like ball things in your vagina. And just you know, squeeze them. And is that a part of pelvic like pelvic floor work, or is that just more like satire shit?
1: So it wouldn't be anything that I would do. If it was something, it would be something you would walk through with a pelvic floor physical therapist. Okay. Um, so that's not something that I would be able to really touch on. That's not within my scope of practice. Um, but. I'm sorry, what was the first question? Well, the first question, question is, like, what are what is
0: happening when us women are told, just do Kegels, and, again, okay. not knowing, like, I didn't know there's three parts to this, and we're just thinking that a Kegel is what it's like when you stop your pee. Like, what is actually, yeah, so- what, what are, are we hurting our, like, I don't want to say hurting, but, like, are we, what are we doing to our bodies? I mean, obviously nothing helpful, but, like. Yeah,
1: so if you have someone who truly does need to do more Kegels, and they're doing them all the time. Number one, you could just fatigue out those muscles. It would be like if you're working out every day. The muscles, like, yes, we want to work them, but we don't want to overwork them because they need a break too. sometimes. They already have a lot a lot of work to do, right, with holding and pee, with, you know, all these different things. Um, so we could start to overwork them, which is not good. You could actually get some soreness down there. Number two, you're not doing it correctly if you're just doing the pee thing. And so is it going to help you the way that you want it to help you? Probably not fully? Will it help you more than if you did nothing? Sure. Then number three, you could go then to the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Where maybe you did truly need to do before, but now you've done them so often that you're constantly tight now. And so you've gone too far to the other side, right? And so then we need to work on balancing that back out and like getting back into center, right? Um, of knowing when to relax, knowing when to engage, and then being able to like move between the two. Okay,
0: man. My whole world just got mind blown right now. You just blew <laughs> the whole thing up with the Kegel thing.
1: I love this stuff. Like, I this is why I got certified. Like doing the doing a lot of certifications sometimes is like, oh, this feels so heavy. I was like flying through the certification because I was like, this is so cool to me. <laughs> yeah, and it, and
0: I, it, I think when you find your passion, and for you, a lot of it was your own journey. It was like a lot of you discovering your yourself again postpartum and that was kind of the thing that got you here for me it was like losing a fuck ton of weight and you lost a lot of weight like when when you go stalker page and you click on the apply button to work with her you're going to see her transformation is fucking incredible which is awesome right i just i that's what i went with right the mindset piece and and that kind of thing and, and she's the postpartum piece and that's why we all do different stuff and that's why collaboration like this is really cool because I could have somebody that's like hey I have I know somebody that needs help here can you help my client and we collab and then that's a cool thing about running your own business too you can do whatever the fuck you want like
1: (laughs) yeah that's what I love
0: okay so we are broaching an hour here tell my audience where can they find you what do you offer how can they work with you and all the great things
1: yeah, so I periodically do group coaching. Uh, well, first, where you can find me, I'm on Pinterest, actually. Um, I'm on Pinterest, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. So, Instagram and TikTok are at Nicole Hart underscore Fat Loss Coach, and my last name is H A R T. And this will all be um, it
0: all be in the show notes too, so you can just go click.
1: Okay. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, and then Nicole Hart on Facebook, and then Pinterest. I'm. I think I'm just. I'm either Nicole Hart or Nicole Hart fat coach. I don't know. I'm not on Pinterest a ton, but I am on there. Um, okay. So the different ways to work with me, I have a toned mommy starter kit. That is really amazing for the woman who's like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Okay. That was me at the beginning of my journey. I was like, I just need someone to tell me what to do and I'll do it. As I progressed and like, I needed more personalized, customized help. I got a coach, but initially I was like, I'm super driven to do this thing. I want to get back to feeling good and looking good. Tell me what to do, and I will do it. So that is the person that the Tone Mommy Starter Kit is for. There are um, gentle exercises that you can begin as early as two weeks postpartum, super gentle mobility and breathing exercises. So two to 12 weeks of early postpartum exercises. There's nutrition tips in there, and then there's four months of more progressive core and pelvis floor movements as well. So that is an amazing place. You can get up to six months of exercises for $47 in that Tone Mommy Starter Kit, plus nutrition stuff. So that's an amazing place to start. I recommend that to like, all the moms who just had babies. I'm like, start here. Don't even like buy anything else for me. Start here because this is going to get you like, so, so, so far mm-hmm. in your journey. Especially if you're that person who's like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. There's video demos for everything. Um, cues for everything. So it's a great place to start. I do have group coaching that I do periodically. Um, it's a blend of private coaching and group coaching because, like you can tell with everything that we've talked about, um, <laughs> no two people are going to be the same. Someone might need something different than someone else. Someone might need a different to So So um, that part of it is customized and personalized. And then we have a group aspect as well. Um, that only, only runs periodically. It'll probably not be open anymore for registration by the time this podcast comes out, but that is something that I do run periodically. And then one-on-one coaching. So this is true private coaching with me. You're going to get a full assessment. You're going to get breathing assessments, moving assessments, all the different things. Um, and everything's fully customized. So those are the three main ways to work with me on your forum public score.
0: Yo, So your Tone Mommy Guide, the Tone uh, Mommy Guide, is that only really for people who are like super postpartum? Somebody like me who's 12 years out almost, would I benefit from this Mommy Guide?
1: Absolutely. Cool, I'm going to buy it right after this. I'm going to buy it. (laughs) Right in the link in my Instagram. Um, So it just says, you know, click on the link and then Tone Mommy Guide. Um, And it'll get auto-delivered to you. Um, But yeah, it takes you through the very foundation. So month one, we're just working on the foundations. You would obviously skip through like two weeks to 12 weeks postpartum. You would go straight to month one. Um, so month one is walking through the foundations of everything. Month two, we're working on a bit of stress overload, which for those of you that don't know, we're just working on adding some resistance into it so we can get that core and pelvic floor stronger, right? Um, I like to remind people that little tiny baby is going to get bigger and you need to be able to carry the load of a larger child Mm -hmm. without compromising your core and pelvic floor, right? So that's why we need to constantly make sure that we add more weight to what we are doing with the core and pelvic floor because you are not always going to be picking up owned baby right they're going to be a toddler someday and all of these different things like we need to work to progressively get the core and pelvic floor stronger Um, month three and month four are just more variations of adding on to what we've already worked Um, but yeah so like I said my sister she's never had kids but she has the toned mommy guide and she started working in month one and she's like oh my gosh my low abs I didn't realize that I just wasn't feeling them, they weren't engaging um so yes even if you haven't had kids and you're having things going on this would still be for you sweet
0: so you're all going to join me we're going to go buy this and then we're all going to do the toe mommy guide together okay Excellent. <laughs> uh because I I do feel like even having worked with Dr. Kelsey like I uh, there's obvious issues like for me and I, I think the majority of women who have never um had pelvic floor therapy I mean and we're talking like you guys this is like basic human or women health like as as mm-hmm. as important as your pap smear is as important as you go and you get your boobs checked and all these things this is just as important because otherwise we're all going to end up literally with mesh slings holding our bladders in so they don't fall out of our vaginas and it sounds weird and gross it's the fucking truth it's the fucking truth mm-hmm. um so well i want to thank you so
1: much for joining me today i really appreciate you being here with me Yes, thank you for having me. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I love having conversations like this. I
0: know, so I could talk about this stuff all day long. So um, my my kids get really annoyed with me because I'm like, well, they're like, mom, I don't want to hear about protein again. I'm like, oh, fine. <laughs>
1: Let fine. me just tell you. So my daughter, we went to the doctor's the other day. She was complaining of some and the doctor literally was like, you need to be drinking enough water. You need to have enough protein and enough calories in your day. And I just looked at her like, hmm. huh. Hmm. Because that that is so funny because be this, saying.
0: this morning, my daughter who has ha, now has this taste for coffee in the morning. And I'm like, cool. I think she likes the caramel and the creamer more than the coffee. Right. Okay. Let's be fair. Um, and so this morning she sent me a message. She's like, man, I got a headache. I'm like, Oh, what did you have with your coffee this morning? She said, a potato. I said, what? You don't even eat potatoes. <laughs> I was like, you're supposed to be either having a sausage or one of the egg sausage biscuit thingies. Like I said, if you don't start pairing it, the coffee goes bye-bye. You're not going to be allowed to have the coffee. And she was like, oh, fine. I'm like, how many mornings have you gone to school with no fucking protein in your body? Like this is a constant conversation and battle in our house like and same with eating more food making sure she has enough calories in her body and like going to choke you child anyway i love children we love children don't we we just love them because how how old are your girls Yeah,
1: i mean they're 13
0: okay so Jaden will be 15 here coming up in about a month so about the same yeah
1: yeah i mean it may not seem important to them now but repeating these things to your kids and having them grow up this way just like the bodybuilder diet stuck with me even though I didn't care about it at the time it's going to stick with your kids and yeah. so keep talking about these things because eventually they're going to be like oh it's all clicking now and oh this I actually do want to do this stuff now and I learned the right way so yeah thanks you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Anyway, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here with me. You guys go check her out. Check the link in the show notes. Also weight loss for real women. It is being rebranded as the fat loss basics. Cause everything we do here is fucking basic, not fun, not sexy, boring, but effective. So, um, be sure to keep your ears open for that in the upcoming podcast that we'll be launching mid March again. So on that note, you guys, every day is a great day for hump, not just Wednesdays, but today happens to be a Wednesday. So that's awesome. All right, you guys check you on Friday. No filter. Thanks so much for listening today. If you laughed, learned, or just felt a vibe, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Your support keeps this ass train chugging along. If you're ready to embrace the basics with a twist, follow me on social media. Links are in the show notes, and let's see the ways we can work together. All right, basics bitches, you're not just listeners, you're part of the revolution. Remember, skinny's out, basics are in, and you're looking damn good doing it. So until next time, stay basic.